Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're currently in a series called Revelation, Breaking the Code. The book of Revelation is one of the most fascinating and power-packed books in the entire Bible. Now here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. Come on, come on, come on, church. Who's excited about getting into the book of Revelation for seven weeks straight? Hey, I just feel like to do this at this point in time. We had a kind of it's always a busy Sunday morning while you're sleeping in the bed. There's, there's dozens of people getting ready for today. And uh, I just feel led to just honor at all of our campuses, all of the people who behind the scenes put in the hard work to do computer stuff, slides, cameras, sound, all the productions people. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Without you, I wouldn't even have a mic on my face right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, I want to welcome all the campuses. We want to welcome New Hope Kenya, New Hope Columbia, Sanford, Hillsboro, which is really still in its embryonic state, but they have a uh, pep rally coming up. You'll see that in the worship sheets. Excited about that brand new campus. We want to welcome the Coffee House campuses. I'm talking about the Garner campus, the internet campus. By the way, if you ever miss church, internet campus on Sundays, 8 p.m. Great chat, great worship, great words. You just check that out if you've never done that before. And I want to welcome the NCCIW Daughters of the King. Love you, ladies. want to welcome those of you here at the Central and Durham campus. And I want to welcome the North Raleigh campus. And I want to read an email that happened This week, and it's a good, good email celebrating what God is doing at the North Raleigh campus. Hey, Pastor David, I wanted to send you a quick email to let you know about tonight's amazing experience. Our campus gathered pairs of shoes from Reeboks, Nike, Converse, and during the shoe drive last month that we gathered. After doing some research, we found that the Fox Road Elementary School is a school in need of a lot of help. And it's only 2.5 miles away from our campus. When I called their guidance counselor last week, she started tearing up and was in shock. She kept saying, wow, thank you. I just made a list of families from our school that are in need five minutes ago, and now you're calling me. Thank you. On Thursday, August 20th, Jessica and Austin Harris, Hopetown volunteer and her son, and myself delivered the shoes to Fox Road Elementary School during their open house. We prayed over every pair of shoes and even put a Fam Jam invite card in each shoebox. When we got there to meet the guidance counselor, she was in shock. She said, this is crazy. From tonight's open house, I had five families tell me they are in need of new shoes. And now they get new shoes tonight. I'm so blown away. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be a part of a church that is the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? God calls us to serve those in need, and that is exactly what New Hope does. Thank you for allowing me to be part of such a beautiful movement. You have no idea how much I've grown in my relationship with Christ since I started attending New Hope Church. Blessings, Aaron Real. Come on, let's celebrate. All the shoes... Gathered at all the campuses, blessing all the children who will be who will be strutting back up to school with a new pair of shoes because of New Hope Church. I 
love it. Hey, if you're a guest here, you might not know who I am. I am a vanilla chocolate. <laughs> you have no idea what that means. You had to be here last week. Uh, AKA Benji Kelly. I'm so glad you are here. I already missed my brother Derwin texting with him this morning, man. Pray for him. He's, he's been on like a seven week sabbatical from his church this summer. So he's back in the saddle for the first time in a long time preaching at Transformation Church. He sends his love. Hey, 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 he, you blew him away. You, you blew Derwin away. He travels and goes around and speaks and sees all kinds of churches. And uh, New Hope Church blew his mind and he sends his love. Everybody say breaking the code. The series I have named is, of course, Revelation. I didn't name that. That's what the book is called. But I subtitled the series Breaking the Code because in a very real sense today, if you are ever going to understand the book of Revelation, you are going to have to put your thinking caps on and you're going to have to understand all kinds of things about apocalyptic scripture. I need to let you know that if it's okay with you, our worship centers at all of our campuses are going to... Become a little more academic. Some of you are like, dude. (laughs) Will you go and pray now so I can slip out? No, no, no. (laughs) Don't, don't. Because listen, I believe the Christian church has forever, for for at least many, many centuries, we've kind of slipped into this check your brain at the door. And I, I think Christians should be some of the most educated, probing, mentally engaging and robust people on the planet. I really do believe that. And so the book of Revelation will require that we put our thinking caps on. You might bring a notebook with you. You might bring a journal. You might bring your Bible. You definitely should bring your Bible. And if it's on a phone or a tablet, that's cool. But I think there's nothing better than old school Bible, baby, writing in the margins. You know what I'm saying? But you do whatever works for you. But we're going to have to kind of get in this text. And with God's Help and the Holy Spirit illuminating our thoughts and our hearts and the meditations of our minds. I believe God is going to increase the spiritual IQ of this congregation. This is a particular type of literature. There is a unique genre to the book of Revelation and Daniel. And the genre is called apocalyptic. You might not have ever realized this before, but the Bible is really a library of books. And the different books make up different genres. They're not all the same. And so if you get to the Psalms, for example, the book of Psalms is a very emotional book. By the way, it's why a lot of women love the book of Psalms. It speaks to the emotions. It speaks to the heart. Men love it too. I know that. I love the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms was nothing more or nothing less than the ancient hymn book of ancient Israel. I don't know if you know that, but when you read the book of Psalms, you're actually reading their song book. So it's a very emotional book. So you, when you're reading the book of Psalms, you come across verses of Scripture like this. Oh, come on, let's, let's read it out loud. Ready, go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holiness. Man, I can tell you guys came ready to worship and learn today. And I trust it's exactly the same at the campuses as well. So the book of Psalms is an emotional love story genre, if you will. You get into other books, there are books of the law. The books of the law. Do this and don't do that. And you rigid legalistic people, you love the book of the law. 
Right? So there's those kinds of books. That speaks to, to other people. Then you have the Pauline epistles, which is a very intellectual uh, containment of Scripture that really engages the mind. And then you have the book of Revelation. Very, very different than any other genre in the Bible. It is the genre known as apocalyptic scripture. Now, the thing about apocalyptic scripture is that it engages the imagination. Whereas the book of Psalms engages what? The heart. Pauline epistles engage what? Mind, intellect. The apocalyptic scripture found in the Bible engages imagination. (laughs) And that's why it's been so poorly taught for so many years. If you start engaging people's imagination, I'm talking about free willing imagination, you start getting some cray cray stuff. And when I said that in my video last week, I said, dare I say some poor teaching. I had people, who who, who, who are they? Who who are the bad teachers? I'm not even going there. You listen to what we talk about, and if you decide it's truth, then you can compare it with other teachers, then you can decide what's good and bad. There's a lot of great teaching on the book of Revelation out there. There's a lot of bad, 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 did I say bad, teaching on the book of Revelation. So I want to say it like this, and this is real important. You might want to to write this down if you're a note taker. This is really, really important. In order to read... And faithfully understand the book of Revelation, we have to learn to engage apocalyptic scripture, and this is some key words I'm about to say, with disciplined imagination. With what? Disciplined imagination. We have to keep our imagination intact. We have to understand things like context. We have to understand things like symbolism. We have to understand things like vocabulary. So disciplined imagination, understanding biblical symbolism therein, and the unique setting in which John wrote this fascinating book. So more than me just teaching you some passages out of the book of Revelation, hear me church, more than just teaching you a pericope here and a pericope there, I'm going to try my very best to teach you how to read the book. I'm going to teach you certain disciplines. Because my goal is, again, not to just teach you a passage here and a passage there. My goal is to teach you how to read the book of Revelation for the rest of your life. And to do that, we have to put on our thinking caps. The book of Revelation was written by John. We'll talk about that in a little bit. John, the son of Zebedee. The book of Revelation was written on an island known as Patmos. A big group of us just came from the, the province of Greece, Asia Minor, all that area. We just came from there. We, we took a, a, a cruise ship out to Patmos where I videoed some scripture readings for you and, and wanted to go where the book was written. Now, the, the island of Patmos is this gorgeous island that jets way up in the sky. It's beautiful. You can tell John was trying to get away from something. That'll make more sense as the series unfolds. The island of Patmos is only 13.15 square miles. It's a small island. 
It has a population of only 2,998. Some of you are like, dude, I sound like the town I grew up in. I know. Small town, small town, small place. Now, up on top of Patmos, there is the monastery to St. John. This is where John wrote the book. Up there, there is an apocalypse cave, the cave of the apocalypse. Up there on that mountain, on, in the St. John Monastery, there are monks. And if you know anything about monks, monks like you to be quiet. Shh. If you know anything about me when I get around the Word of God, I don't like to be quiet. So I had to read this scripture. And I had to read it like, I feel like I was breaking the law. I'm about to show it to you. I'm reading, I'm reading scripture and the camera team's there with me. And I'm having to whisper it. Because the monks kept busting my chops for shh. Which is really cool when you think about it. You're about to hear the word of God from 1900 years ago. Where the word of God was received as a revelation from Jesus to John same location, same word. Check it out. New Hope Church, we are on top of the island of Patmos. We're in the monastery of St. John, built in the 10th century. You will see a lot of people pouring in, pilgrims, sojourners, pouring into this monastery to honor St. John, who received this revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, hear the word of God. I will speak quietly. There are monks and other people who are trying to quiet things down. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. I dare say, blessed is the church who reads and studies and learns the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. What is written in it? Because the time is near. John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests. We are the kingdom of priests. It's the Protestant Reformation, the priesthood of all believers. He says this, Blessed is he who has made us to be a kingdom of priests and to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos, right where I'm standing, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, on Sunday, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. When I saw him, look at what happens. John says, when I saw him, when I saw the Son of Man, in all of his brilliance, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades, which is another word for hell. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The apocalyptic, mysterious, powerful, and living word of God for us, the people of God. Absolutely. It is most appropriate to clap and Praise God for His holy word. Buckle your seat belts. We're about to go get this and cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. The revelation from Jesus Christ, John 1. You got the lights up now and got all your Bibles open, your tablets. From Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servant what must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant. Who? John. We already talked about that. John wrote... The book, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I love this next part. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. One of the few places in scripture where you hear these words. Blessed are those who read aloud this particular book, if you will. Get, get an image of that. God could be getting ready to bless our church like never before. And blessed are those who hear it and what? Take it to. So you got to read it and heed it. Everybody say read it. Everybody say heed it. 
Everybody put it together. Read it and heed it. God's word says, I'm going to bless you. When you read my book and you heed it, take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Who wrote the book of Revelation? Write it in the margins of your Bible. Take notes. You'll forget this stuff. It is a singular revelation, not plural. Singular revelation from Jesus. Who received it from Jesus and gave it to John? The Bible says an angel. Who is blessed by the book? Those who read the book. Now, I'm going to give you just some some vocabulary and symbolic words that's just going to make this one chapter just crack open to you. If, if you just sat there and heard me read that and you're like, I don't really understand what's all that. Remember, disciplined imagination. Let's do some vocabulary. Vocabulary for understanding the book of Revelation. There's a place in your teaching notes for you to write these words down. Or you might put them on the, the introduction in your Bible, the first page of the book of Revelation. There's normally an introductory section. Write these down. Authorship. Already said that, but I just wanted to get it in writing in front of you. John the Apostle, son of Zebedee. Now, there are, there are multiple Johns in the Bible. And therefore, there are multiple theories on this. I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt, and I'll always tell you when I'm not quite sure when there's a gray area, but I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, the author is John, the son of Zebedee, who wrote the book of Revelation. And you see this in the multiple references there. Let's talk about the date of authorship. The date of authorship. Revelation was composed and sent to the seven churches in the Roman province of Asia between A.D. 69 and A.D. 96. A.D. 69 and A.D. 96. Under the brutal persecution of Nero and later in that period of time, Domitian. Now, I believe when you look at the the dating of the writing of the book... Most of the persecution that John and his churches were experiencing at this particular time was later in that period and therefore under the brutal persecution of Domitian as opposed to Nero. Purpose of the book. Oh, don't miss this. You'll never understand the book of Revelation unless you get this. The book of Revelation was given by God and sent by John to encourage The Johannine community. Now, that word Johannine community will make a lot of sense to you when this series is over. You might not have never even heard that before. But when I say Johannine community, I'm talking about the unique audience in which John was writing in the Gospel of John and in the book of Revelation and in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John is writing a specific community, his beloved community, which we will call the Johannine community. With the assurance that, now this is, this is so important, oh man. Despite all the forces marshaled against them, victory was theirs if they remained loyal to Christ. Now, the reason you got to know this is apocalyptic scripture was written in the context of the most brutal of dire straits. If you don't understand that, it won't make sense. But when you read the Gospel of John, boy, John's Gospel has a polemic. I mean, they are, they are fighting it. You can see it. There's this polemic between the Jewish people and the Johannine community in the Gospel of John. And in the book of Revelation, there is this polemic between good and bad, light and dark, God and Satan. I mean, it's going on. The battle is on. They are amidst persecution under Domitian. They are dying. Life is tough. 
And the message is, if you will just be loyal to Christ, he's got your back. <laughs> Come on, he's got your back. Let's go. Johannine community, since I mentioned it, let me put it in writing for you. The Johannine community, it's the unique community of faith to which John was called to serve and lead amidst dire circumstances of persecution and martyrdom. Apocalyptic. I've said that word a few times. Let me just describe it for you. Vocabulary word here. When I say apocalyptic in this series, it's the forecasting the ultimate destiny of the world. Foreboding imminent disaster and or final doom due to the people of the world being wildly unrestrained. You remember a few weeks ago when I talked about vision? And the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, without a vision, the people do what? Remember I told you in your translation, without a vision, the people are unrestrained. Interesting little word connection here. The world is wildly unrestrained. God's ultimate and decisive closure to the world as we know it is often referred to as the apocalypse. Apocalypse, let's define that one. It's the final dividing of the universe into two camps. One is good and the other is evil. These camps are engaged in a long and fearful struggle that continues to this very day. Behind the conflicts are the supernatural powers of God and Satan. Good, bad, light, darkness, life, death. At the end of time, don't miss this, don't miss this. Every human being will be found on one side or the other. So much I want to say. Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie that it doesn't matter what you believe and say or do. We're all going to the same place. It's a lie straight from the pits of hell. There is a good. There is a bad. There is a light. There is a dark. There is a heaven and there is a hell and real people go there. The final apocalypse will be the separation of the two with those outside of Christ facing eternal damnation in hell. By the way, that should break our hearts. Let us never be a church that gloats and celebrates the fact that lost people die and go to hell. And those who are in Christ experiencing eternal reward in heaven this is the ultimate meaning of ultimate meaning of what as one of my children is fond of saying these days bro not bro bro and then he then he does this it just got real up in here <laughs> bro that's what he does i would never say his name Starts with a C, ends with a B. Caleb. <laughs> Bruh. It just got real up in here. 
Let's continue. Let's continue. To the seven churches in the province of Asia. To the what? You're going to see the word seven a lot in the book of Revelation. This is where I'm going to start teaching you symbolism. I just started teaching you vocabulary. It'll grow every day. You do not want to miss a single Sunday of the book of Revelation because it's going to build like building blocks. And if you miss, you're going to be behind. You do not need to miss. Come every single Sunday, all of our campuses. The vocabulary will be building and the symbolism will be building. I need to teach you about this word seven. Seven. Apocalyptic symbolism for understanding the book of Revelation. Again, take notes in your Bible or on your teaching notes. The word seven, which most of you know if you just think about this, means completion or perfection. How many days are in a week? It's a complete week. The word seven is completion. So when the Bible says seven churches, what's what's it saying? It's saying the complete universal church. Now, later on, I'll show you these churches in in the province of Asia, and they're in a circular motion, and it makes perfect sense that John would be delivering these letters or sending them out to the Johannine community, and they'd stop by one church, and then they'd go to another church, and then they'd go to another church. Circular motion. Yes, it was written to seven specific churches, but remember, they're under persecution. And so when you're under persecution, you start to communicate in a veiled, secretive kind of way. So John is letting them know, hey, these are to the seven churches, but it's also literally, but it's also symbolically representing the churches throughout the world. You know the best illustration I can give you about this? Morse code. Don't expect a lot of hands to to raise, but I'd be fascinated to know you you if this is you. Raise your hand if you know Morse code. My brother. Might be, might be a few at the campus. There's very few here. I don't know what it's like at the other campuses. But Morse code, think about it. Morse code is a method of transmitting text information as a series of on-off tones, lights, or clicks that can be directly understood by a skilled listener or observer without special equipment. The international Morse code encodes basic Latin language, some extra Latin letters, the Arabic numerals, and a set of punctuation and procedural signals as standardized sequences of short and long signals called dots and dashes, dits and dots. The Morse code. A form of communication so that the enemy cannot understand the Morse code in the midst of battle. Come on, you with me? So what we're talking about is Revelation is a kind of Morse code. Written so that the enemy, those who were persecuting and killing under Domitian's reign, would not understand exactly what John is trying to communicate to his churches. So when he says the seven churches, he's talking about us. He's talking about every church that lifts high the name of Jesus. This is a book for us today. And John was saying 1,900 years ago in a secretive, veil, apocalyptic kind of way, this message is for all churches. A few more, few more things on symbolism. Remember this. Remember this. Horns. Horns means power. Horns mean what? Power. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Eyes, of course, means 
sight. But if you didn't, if you didn't know to put that in there, now I'm going to take you out of Revelation 1 for just a moment, just for a moment to show you how, how we put all these together. Okay? You can turn over to Revelation chapter 4 if you would like, or chapter 5, verse 6. Let's read this out loud. Come on, ready? Go. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Let's go. The lamb had and which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The lamb who had been slain had what? Seven so what does that mean? <laughs> Jesus has complete power. He is the most powerful person, come on church, to ever walk the planet. Not only does he have complete power, seven horns, complete perfect power, he has complete perfect sight. Which means he sees everything. Which means he sees you at your good times. And he sees you at your bad times. He sees everything. Unbelievable symbolism. Jesus, the lamb with seven horns. Oh, let's keep going. Let's, oh, man, let's keep going. All right, go, just go back to Revelation 1. I know I took you to Revelation 5 for just a moment. Revelation chapter 1, go pick back up in verse 4b. 4b. Grace and peace be with you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits, the what spirits? The complete, perfect spiritual realm. Before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful... Witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, don't miss this, loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Has what church? What's this word right here? Freed us. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Side note, not even in my notes, but I just feel led to say there. Listen, we're a bunch of priests. Need to get you a bunch of clerical collars up in here. We are the king. If you're a believer, we're a kingdom of priests. You don't need a human priest. The Bible says Jesus is the great high priest we as the body of christ we are a kingdom of priests but here's the thing i really want to camp out on this is such amazing scripture john offers a unique and needed understanding of jesus's death and here it is not only has jesus's death and his blood forgiven you of sin it will if you allow it to free you of sin. Everybody say, forgiven of sin. Do you know you can be forgiven of sin but not freed of sin? Do you know there's a lot of people in the Christian world today who kind of holds their heads down, ho-hum, I'm just a defeated sinner, I'm just a worm. 
God's forgiven me, though. (laughs) But I'll never be anything more than this. If Satan can convince you that you can't change, half the battle is won. Listen, beloved, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, not only are you forgiven of your sin, but if you tap into the Holy Spirit and the power of God, you will not only be forgiven of your sin, but you will be freed of your sin. In other words, church, come on, in other words, watch this. Believers and followers of Jesus have not only been cleansed. What what John does here with the Greek language is fascinating. Lucenti. Lucenti with a U. Not only have you been cleansed from your the stain of your sin, but we have been freed, Lucenti, from the chains of sin. I wrote it like this in my Bible. I wrote this. You might want to write it down. We're cleansed from the stains of sin, and we're freed from the chains of sin. Let me say that again. Some of you didn't hear it. I said the Bible says that we're cleansed from the stains of sin, but we're also freed from the chains of sin, church. Cleansed from the stains. Everybody say cleansed from the stains. Everybody say freed from the chains. Freed from the chains. Listen, listen, some of you have never been taught this. Listen to me. You can stop sinning now did i say you're ever going to be sinless no (laughs) i'm glad y'all enjoyed that so much that was like legit i mean that was like south carolina deep you'll never be sinless there was only one sinless and perfect and you don't want to be sinless and perfect they crucified him I'm trying to teach and keep it serious up here. And you guys are just having a ball. I love it. I love it. That thing that you've always struggled with. That thing that you sin over and over and over and over again. You can have victory over that. You can stop sinning. You can in your life become more and more and more and more like Jesus. I got a question for you. Seriously, remember New Year's when you had all those New Year resolutions? How's that going for you? Because we try to change working on our own power. We try to change tapping into our own strength. We try to change by buying into a bunch of positivistic self-help. I'll be nice. Baloney. Baloney. But you as a believer in Christ can learn to tap in to the power of God and not only be forgiven of your sin, cleansed from the stain, but you can be freed from the chains. Come on, church. Come on, church. You know what John Wesley called this? And most of you know, if you know me, you know I am a John Wesley fan. 18th century revivalists out of the Church of England left the Church of England. They were too constraining for him. 
unbelievable preacher. George Whitfield preached and saved thousands and so did others, but only Wesley had the leadership and the strategy and the, the methods, which why that why they came, became known as Methodists. There, John Wesley became, had the methods to take all the conversions and, and mobilize them strategically and in a ministry kind of way so that the movement continued and continued. But, but do you know that this is one of John Wesley's um, linchpin doctrines that I believe firmly in? It's called the doctrine of Christian perfection. The doctrine of what? Christian perfection. Now, people have misunderstood Wesley over the years. And all oh, that old Wesley, he thought we could be perfect. Wesley never said such a thing. I've read all his work on Christian perfection. No, 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 no. But what Wesley taught was what Revelation teaches. What, which, what, what all the books of the New Testament teach, I believe. It teaches, the doctrine of Christian perfection teaches that by the power of God appropriated in a human being's life, he or she can actually move on towards perfection. Ever reach it? No. But grow and become, here it is, more holy? Yes. Like, I know this is hard for some of you to imagine. It's even harder for some of you to imagine for your spouse. <laughs> but you can be holy. Quit the elbow and stop it. We can be holy. We can move on towards holiness. Some of you desperately need to be awakened to this reality. I'm an old rocker. I love all kinds of music, but I love country. I love Christian. I love rock and roll. And yes, I am a old school Evanescence fan. Oh. One of my favorite songs ever did. We did it on an Easter. Many years ago, we were in a strip mall. Yeah, we were in a strip mall. Can you say but ugly? I didn't like any bit. I didn't like any other time there, but I loved what God did. It's a strip mall on Garrett Road. But when we were at Garrett Road, we did this song on Easter Sunday morning, Wake Me Up. Remember it? One of their best songs ever wrote, Wake Me Up. How can you see into my eyes like open doors, leading you down into my core where I've become so numb without a soul? Some of you feel like that, numb without a soul. My spirit sleeping somewhere cold. Until you find it there and lead it back home. Wake me up inside. And in the chorus, and they keep coming back to this in the song. Wake me up inside. Call my name. And save me from the dark. Bid my blood to run. Before I come undone. Last verse. Save me from the nothing I've become. Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Some of you feel like your soul is numb. It's cold. It's dark. Some of you, you are honest. You'd say that that's really puts words to my heart cry. God, wake me up from the nothing I've become. Now listen to me. You haven't become nothing. You're a priceless child of the great high God. 
You are a child of the king. You are God's beautiful creation. No one has your fingerprint. God loves you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it, baby. Listen, God loves you. You haven't become a nothing. But you can become more. And that desire inside of you to be more, check it out, is God-given. God wants you to be more. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to be great. So that in your success and in your greatness, you can give all praise and glory to Jesus. Come on, somebody. You're not only forgiven and cleansed of your stain, you're freed from the chains. So now start living into that which God has destined you to be. Oh my, I gotta go. I gotta go. Let's let, let, just another passage or so. Go, go on down to to uh, Revelation, and we're gonna be in verse one. We're gonna start about verse nine. Look, he is what? Apocalyptic scripture is laced with the notion that Jesus is coming again. He's coming with the clouds. Go read First Thessalonians four and five. Write that down. You can read it later. Describes it in great detail. And by the way, we're not going to know when he comes. I talked about poor teaching earlier. Some of the poorest teaching out there are these people. And it goes all the way back to Darby. And I call them the Darbyanites. Darbians. The Darbians are famous for predicting when Jesus is going to come. And they make a big prediction. And they sell lots of books. And they teach lots of sermons on a date, a prediction. And guess what happens? The date comes and goes. And they go, oh, we missed it. And they pick another date. And they do it over and over and over and over again. And some of you real spiritual people who you've learned some Darby and stuff, you've already been coming to me. Are you pre-trib or post-trib, Pastor? Pre-tribulation, post-trib. I'm a pan-trib. I believe it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> Come on now. And hey, 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 and just, that's just not me making it up. That's what Jesus said. Go read Mark 13. Jesus says, not even the Son of Man knows. Only the Father knows. Go read 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, like I said earlier. The Bible says it's like a woman who's about to give birth. Great imagery. Never had one, but I think it's a great imagery. Pregnant women, you don't know when you're going to give birth. The doctor might tell you. But all they have is a prediction. You don't know, do you? But you know it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. And as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in there, you're like, God, let it come now. <laughs> He's coming. We don't know when. So the Darbians and all the people out there making all their crazy predictions, which, like I said, it's, it's against Scripture. Jesus says, don't waste your time. You don't, you don't know. But it's still coming. And we don't know when, but it's coming. He's coming on the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Let's continue. I am the what? And the, again, if you're a note taker, that's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. It's the Bible's way of saying... He's from the beginning. 
and he will be to the end. He's from infinity past, church. Come on, he, he will go to infinity future. He is from beginning to end, says the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is to come Amen, the Almighty. Let's continue. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven. How many golden lampstands? We're going to land this plane. Lean in. You do not want to miss this last part. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Where have you heard that before? Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man in the, New Te- in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Son of Man is used 81 times. 81 times. So the last book of the Bible is picking up. I saw someone like the Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. What shall I say? Your daddy is a bad man. I could start unpacking a little bit, but that's, that's the bottom line. Your daddy. Look at your neighbor and say, your daddy. Now say, is a bad man. He's your daddy. Who's your daddy? Can you tell I'm excited about Revelation? Let's continue. In his right hand he held what? He holds the whole world. The whole galaxy. The palm of his hand. Always has. Always will. And coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. Sound familiar? Word of God is a double-edged sword. Hebrews, go read it. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Wait till we get to Revelation 21 and 22 at the end of the series. When you get to the new heavenly city, the the new Jerusalem, the Bible says in Revelation 21 and 22, we don't need a sun. That's S-U-N. We don't need a sun because the sun, S-O-N, is going to illuminate all of heaven. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades, hell. There's only one that can unlock your sin carnal nature of death and hell bound and put you on the road to heaven. His name is Jesus. Right therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. Oh, I love when the Bible just kind of teaches itself. The seven stars are the angels of the seven what? Churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I want so desperately 
for you to understand this last part of the message. I want so desperately for you to understand what you are involved in if you are involved in the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible is saying here in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ stands in the center of his church. The Bible draws a picture, a circular picture of seven churches. Remember I told you, I'll show you a map on this later, that the seven churches that he mentions in the book of Revelation is in a circular motion. What Jesus is saying to us in the book of Revelation is that Jesus is in the center of the world. He holds the entire world in the palm of his hands and around him are seven churches, which represents what? The universal church. And that Jesus is using us, don't miss this, to be lampstands in a dark world. We are to be the light of the world. Jesus at the center illuminating the church of Jesus Christ. We are. This is what I mean when I say we're the hope of the world. Like, and you thought you were just kind of like coming to a gathering. And you thought like church is no big deal. Really? Like we're going to receive an offering in just a little bit. You thought that's not a big deal. Really? You're helping fund the light of the world. Jesus in the center. All the churches that are in Christ radiating. I, I, I got the productions team to create a diagram. Watch this. Look at this diagram. That's a picture of the world. Oh, it's, it's, I thought it was on the screen. It's on my TV. <laughs> Let me get out of the way. Jesus... And each of the seven lampstands represents the church. And Jesus is lighting the world through the lampstands. Another image that might help is, look at this image of, of the world, of planet Earth. Look at this. I think they're going to put this on the big screen, if I'm not mistaken. What if you called a real good vision today? Of the fact that God has positioned you and called you and he's called me to take seriously this thing we call church. And that when you're a part of the church, you're a part of the camp that is responsible now for lighting a dark and broken, jacked up world. Jesus in the center of it all. The rock solid foundation of it all. In the book of Revelation, you see, go ahead and flip there. I can't take it. Go ahead and go to Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to end with this. This is it. Revelation chapter 4. We're about to receive, we're about to receive an offering, and then we're going to sing. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to join heaven in singing. We're going to join heaven in singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I think, I think it might be up here. Read it out loud. Ready? Go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We join heaven and we declare holy are you God. And when we do that, if you read the rest of Revelation 4, guess what? The elders in heaven turn their attention to the church. Let's just watch this one. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. 
For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Yeah, you can clap for that, and you should. I'm trying to make you see what the Bible is teaching. And the Bible is teaching that we serve an indescribable Christ who leads an indestructible church. Did you get that? We serve an indescribable Christ who leads an indestructible church. As long as we have our anchor in Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, as long as we understand the significance. Again, you thought you were just coming to church today. You're a part of a network of lampstands declaring the holiness of God. So may we at all of our campuses, as the ushers come forward and we turn in our connect cards and we receive today's tithes and offerings, that's not the main thing. Here's the main thing. May we stand to our feet May we not jet out of here. May we stand to our feet and worship God. Holy, holy, holy. The one who's to receive glory and honor. When we're done with that, then we're going to sing forever. Forever you have declared and warranted all praise and glory and honor. And may we sing like we never have before. Those of you who do this number, may you forget about the people around you. You're standing in the presence of Jesus. New Hope, I so desperately want you to see this. Jesus is here. He's in our presence. And that changes everything. Father, we love you. You are holy. You are worthy. Bless us, we pray, God. We're reading this book that you promise in Scripture that if we do, if we not only read it, but if we heed it, you've got a special blessing for us. We're here to receive your blessing. Receive our tithes and offerings at all of our campuses. But God, receive our worship. Receive our praise for you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.